You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Greetings and solutions. Wow. As my brother would say. Amazing. Shout out to him. Yeah. Little flip on the greetings and salutations. Greetings and solutions. I'll tell you what. I know I'm steering this banter right away. I love it. I'm here for it. Here's another problem. I'm really dating this particular recording, but as of we now... We do that all the time. No big deal. We're about a third of the way through summer. We are. And I am so dang glad. I am <laughs> I am over it. I am so over it. And it's not just like, yes, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I don't normally have much reason to complain. In fact, usually when something is wrong, I'm like, look, so many other things are... I'm, I got nothing to complain about. My life is... Are you kidding me? <laughs> No right to complain. But you give me some hot weather, that goes out the window. <laughs> and the other thing that went out the window was my electric bill. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. I am crushed. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's going to see a little jump from last month. I expect Mm-mm. that because I'm comparing, you know, it, this is, you know, my first year in the new house. Yeah. Six months in here. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> cool, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, man. I, Temperature cool. Electric bill, not so much. Yeah. It was frightening. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm being responsible. I'm not leaving lights on. I'm, I mean, my evenings are sometimes spent in darkness because <laughs> I'm like, this is comfortable and I don't want to get up to reach the switch. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Guess what? That doesn't matter. <laughs> and it's so hot out. <laughs> Man. We have a two-story house. So yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a, um, I didn't know this, but since now I'm, you know, homeowner, first time I've ever owned a two-story house myself. Yeah. We have central air. Apparently what you're supposed to do is you keep, this doesn't apply to you because you're not <laughs> a two-storyer and everyone else who owns a two-story house that listens to this podcast probably just sigh, you dummy, you didn't know this, but you know, when it started getting hot and we started running the air conditioner, same thing. It's like, man, electric bill really takes a jump. Yeah. And I was just Googling, like, how can I save some energy on this without just, you know, turning the air conditioner off and burning up? And what you're supposed to do is keep the top floor at your ideal temperature. Okay. Top floor stays, you know, we keep it up, I think, around, you know, 72, 73. So we keep it on the top floor. And then the floor beneath that, at least two degrees warmer. Oh, okay. And you think, oh, wow, that's going to be crazy because it's going to be hot. But hot air rises yep. and cool air falls. Oh. So what ends up happening is you get the upstairs cooled to your ideal temperature and then that cool air falls and it actually keeps your house at like a pretty even keel and it doesn't overtax Interesting. your AC units. Mm. Or at least so every single website that I consulted on this topic said. And I'm trusting they did not lead me astray. Yeah. And that's my whole spiel. I will say this though, and it's kind of a little surprising uh, silver lining here. Who am I becoming? This is strange. Um <laughs> With this tree line I mentioned, I noticed this yesterday as I was I was coming home a little bit later than usual. I don't think the the people like two owners ago had any idea how, like how genius they were with this tree line. It has got to be helping me a lot because it, it of course shades my backyard early on. Pretty yeah. soon, my whole house. Mm-hmm. That's got to be helping me some. Without yeah. those trees, chew. Yeah, because yeah. so. sunlight coming through and like keeping blinds open and letting oh. radiant heat in through. I'm well, shutting also, all my blinds. Shutting all my yeah, blinds. That, I mean that's. <laughs> No. I mean, yeah. that's a legit thing, though. That like, that radiant thought, though. heat will... I hadn't been thinking about that. It's a little... Just like, a little... I gotta let the light in, right? But yeah. um, maybe not all the time. 
answer. Like when you're gone, for example. Yeah, you know? I actually cut the whole thing off because my it holds a good temperature. Does it? So I just cut it off when I'm gone, and you know, I might be, you know, I might delve into fans in a single room. Yeah. During the day and wait, wait till the evening hours to kick it back on. Yeah, because then it's also doing less work. Yeah. Any any further suggestions, listeners? <laughs> Podcast at HorizonChurch.net. Please, <laughs> please, please tell me. <laughs> Oh, which is also funny because even all that said, you know, you're like, oh, I'm so glad summer is drawing to an end, you know, a third way through it. And on the summer solstice, I was like, oh, the days are going to start getting shorter. Oh, no. <laughs> little, I will say a little bit of a downside there. I will totally grant that. But um, I got that umbrella in the backyard and it's got little lights on its struts. Hey, look at so. that. Yeah, you'll be... Yeah, can't stop me. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. You know what else is difficult to manage besides energy bills in the <laughs> summer? <laughs> Do tell. Difficult versus in Paul. Oh, 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 of course. Yeah. So a uh, difficult verse, probably even more difficult than trying to manage, you know, <laughs> temperatures and whatnot. A difficult verse you'll be coming up against, especially you know if you're if you're following along in our New Testament chronological plan. If you're an attendee of Horizons, or you're just reading the New Testament in general, you know you're going to come across this. Is Colossians one twenty four? Hmm. And if you've read it recently, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even you were probably yeah. recently stumped about. Yeah, you're this. like, what in the world? much ink has been spilled in an attempt to discern just what this mysterious sentence means. Mm. And now we shall contribute our voices to this righteous cause. Mm. Or at least, at least as, your voice. Yes, what? <laughs> your voice and my questions. Don't you. You be nice to you. You stop that. No, so uh, so here's the verse just so we know what we're, we're talking about here. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is, the church. So, time to bring the Apostle Paul up on heresy charges, right? Exhume his body, find his bones, where are they? We gotta burn them and cast them to the wind. I mean, it seems like, right, that he's saying Christ's sufferings on the cross were somehow insufficient, lacking. And uh, if that's indeed the case, then... uh, that's a wee bit blasphemous to put the matter lightly. You know? it, it is confusing in all sorts of ways. Like, what? I what is he implying? Is he making a statement about the audience, maybe more than the sacrifice? What sacrifice is affording to who? It yeah, is. It's. A, I will say, like a surface reading, a little bit concerning because it does yes. sound like, <laughs> oh, I'm doing the rest of the work. Yes, like I know. What? Yeah, like Jesus, it wasn't enough, and therefore, yeah, I'm taking the reins. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, guys. Don't I? Apostle Paul here, Superman. Apparently. Yeah. Well, thankfully, actually, (laughs) as you can imagine, that is not what Paul is saying here. And this is actually, in fact, clear if you simply read the rest of the letter. Oh, okay. Like, (laughs) he says just in the next chapter that through Christ's sacrificial death, God did forgive our sins. He raised us to life. He disarmed the satanic powers and he canceled Mm. the record of debt that stood against us. So Jesus got the job done. Full package. Yeah. There is no lack there as far as our atonement is concerned, right? Yeah. Jesus got the job done. So then what in the world is lacking in Christ's affliction that Mm. Paul had to fill up? Why even dare bring yourself into that equation? That isn't right. Yeah. Like, couldn't you have said that in a clearer way, Paul? (laughs) Please. Apparently not. Apparently not. Once again, as we are often want to remind oh, you, man. Peter's like, mm, no, not all clear. It's it's yeah, difficult sometimes. Some Very difficult. You know, it's like sometimes I think Paul just like got, he's, he's just so busy dictating. He doesn't stop to think like, <laughs> hey, uh, did you pause to consider how what you just said might need some exposition? But... I think this is an example of when knowing the wider canonical context of scripture is actually the most helpful tool in discovering a difficult meaning. Okay. Because, you know, you could just puzzle over that sentence by itself 
endlessly and probably have a hard time arriving at what he is trying to get at. So, put another way, you can find the most clarity in answering a question like this, not perhaps from the book of Colossians directly so much, though that could be possible, but from knowing how Paul uses the same terminology in his other writings. Like, that's your next step. Like, if you're reading Colossians and you're like, dude, I can't find an answer, at least a clear one, a compelling one, to the question this text is raised from this letter. I can start asking questions based on other letters he's written and how he uses a similar terminology. So that requires, of course, knowing where else he uses yeah. <laughs> those terms, right? That would help. Yeah. And you can actually discover this really easily with Bible software. This is very easy. You can use paper tools like concordances and all that stuff, but that requires a bit of know-how that yeah. you can learn. You can learn it. You can. Like, anyone can learn how to use it. But... A lot of that work's been done for you. True. And you can do it, access it for free online. Really? Yes. For example, I'm a Logos Bible software user. Right. That's talk not about free. That. that is not free. Very expensive. Very. But Blue Letter Bible okay. is free oh. and it's online. Just go to blueletterbible.org and they have a lot of those tools. And uh, I actually did the research that I'm about to share with you on Blue Letter Bible ah. just to show you how it is done. Nice. You can think of this uh, little episode here as a little two for one special, a little primer on how to do terminology and word studies and an answer to this difficult question, or at least a potential answer. So when you look at this verse and you have questions, you're like, what in the world is going on here? I think the obvious thing that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb is the term lacking. Because yeah, like, when we think of Christ's afflictions, mm. we don't think they're lacking in any way. Right. Right? We think his sufferings were sufficient for our atonement. They were complete. They did the job. So when Paul implies they were lacking, in fact, it doesn't apply. He just says what is lacking in Christ's affliction. You probably think to yourself, that's a strange way to describe Christ's afflictions. It gives me pause. Yeah. Like they're lacking, you know? And especially since Paul speaks of the sufficiency of Christ's sacrificial death just a chapter later. So then you start wondering, well, okay, lacking, that's a weird term. I wonder how else Paul uses that term in his letters. And that's what you want to hone in on then. You're like, okay, that's a weird word. I want to see how else he uses that yeah. to see if that provides any clarity. So what that means is you go to blueletterbible.org, you know, perhaps on your smartphone even. You know, you don't even have to be your computer. You can do this on your Google Car Map on your phone. And you type in Colossians 1.24 with, you know, whatever, you know, we were reading the ESV there. So you pull up your ESV version, type Colossians 1.24 into the search box. And you scroll down and you'll, you'll, you'll see the list of verses. It'll take you to it. And next to Colossians 1.24, off to the left, you'll see a button labeled Tools. Really simple from here. You just tap that button and then you scroll down and it, it actually breaks down every word oh, okay. in the verse. So you just scroll down to the term lacking and what you'll see is a number next to it with a letter. And in this case, you'll see G5303. And that is just a concordance number. I believe it's it's attached to Strong's concordance. That's not the important thing. What is important is that if you tap or click that button, you will see everywhere in the New Testament that the Greek word underlying the word lacking is used in the New Testament. Like all of its various translations, everywhere that word shows up. Mm. So you tap it and you scroll down and you start like taking a catalog of how it's used. And in particular, let's say, you know, you're focusing on how Paul is using it. So you scroll down and you see, oh, he uses that same word and it's translated the same way in Philippians 2.30 and 1 Thessalonians 3.10, which each say, respectively, for he, Epaphroditus, nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay. That's the first one, mm -hmm. Philippians 2.30. Then 1 Thessalonians 3.10 says, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Mm. 
I have some theories now. Okay, yes. You're starting to, you know, at least put some pieces out on the mental table of your... Yeah. <laughs> get some puzzle pieces out there. You're starting to sort them out, right? So, you open your Bible and you read a few surrounding verses to get some context with the Philippians and the First Thessalonians passage, right? And what you discover is that the Philippians verse is about how the church at Philippi was supplying Paul with financial support and Epaphroditus just about died in the process of delivering it for them, okay? And then the Thessalonians reference has to do with Paul's longing to be with the church again, face to face, and to give them something that they are otherwise lacking, something that, that they can't get unless he's there with them face to face. Okay? So it seems to me what's lacking in each case is face to face bodily presence to impart something. So my theories were wrong. But <laughs> that said. You had theories, right? They were clearer, <laughs> you know, the, the blurry lines were becoming more yeah. defined, right? And so like you take the Philippians reference, for example. The thing that was lacking in the Philippian service to Paul was their physical presence to bring the gift and strengthen and comfort him with it. Yeah. That was what was lacking. It wasn't that like, oh, your money was insufficient. It was that you weren't there to present right. it to me. And weirdly enough, if you were going to read that verse in a vacuum, you could walk away with a similar misunderstanding. Yeah. You're like lacking. What do you mean they're like? Yeah, so Epaphroditus but, had to like like fill up the rest of the... Of yeah, the, like, oh, the, did he supply the difference? You know, yeah, it was like, exactly. is there like, oh, we needed $100 and they only give me 80, so here's Epaphroditus giving me 20. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. What he's talking about is like the Philippians couldn't all just pick up and go to Paul in prison and deliver it to him. So Epaphroditus yeah. did that for them. The Thessalonians' faith, they weren't lacking written instruction. It's like, well, you don't have enough to know what you're doing. But what they were lacking was the kind of joint strength that comes with being in someone's physical presence. You know, like there is something to actually being with someone you love face to face. Yeah, Like you just can't replace. And you, you see support for that because, you know, you think that like, okay, like is that actually what it's getting at? Well, you get support from that in a place like Romans 1, 11 through 12 as well, where he says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. In such a way, it seems to be that you can only do it when you're with someone face to face, actually physically with them. So given all that, if we're on the right track here, what might Paul mean by saying he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Well, think about it like this. Christ is at the right hand of the Father right now, correct? He is not physically here to present his sufferings to us. Like You cannot look at his body and see the scars in his hands and feet and touch the wound in his side like Thomas could have, right? Right, right. Which is a big deal, you know, because like our faith is founded, for lack of a better way of describing it, in those sufferings, in those scars, right? So if you don't have a way of seeing that, well, what's going to fill that place? You know, like, how, how are you going to see Christ's afflictions if he's physically at the right hand of the Father? Well, I think what Paul is getting at here is that when he is suffering for the sake of the church, hmm. that when he is being persecuted, he's in prison right now, enduring all these things for their faith, for their sake, he is a physical demonstration of the afflictions of Christ for them. That is how he is supplying what is lacking. So it's again back to that Epaphroditus example, which is a great point you brought up. That like it's not like oh like well Christ's suffering covered ninety percent of your atonement. I'm supplying the other ten percent. Right. Christ's sufferings covered one hundred percent of what was needed to forgive us our sins, mm. to rescue us from this present evil age. What is lacking is his physical presence to show us. Here's how I suffered. So that means that in Paul's case. In his own sufferings, he is demonstrating to the church the afflictions of Christ. They can see it. They can see, oh, here's what it looks like. And because of our union with Christ, Mm. this is a weird way to think about it, but like when 
his people suffer. You remember what Jesus says to Paul on the road to Damascus when he blinds him. He's like, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. I mean, well, again, Christ is at the right hand of the Father. He's not physically persecuting Jesus, but in persecuting the church, exactly. they're linked. So when Paul suffers, he is demonstrating to the church the afflictions of Christ and showing forth the endurance, strength, and comfort that can be ours in the midst of them through faith in the Lord. And uh, I think that, you know, that is a plausible, I think, interpretation for what he means here. So in light of that understanding, how would we reread the original verse? So if we were going to offer something of an interpretive paraphrase, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I would probably want to read it something like this. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake because when I do suffer for your sake, you get a picture of Christ's afflictions and what he endured for you. And you can say to yourself, oh, that is a picture of the sufferings that Christ endured for me. Like, okay, the Apostle Paul is enduring that for me, for my sake. That's what Jesus did for me on a much grander scale. And like, in quote-unquote, lacking that physical representation in Christ mm-hmm. in front of you, yeah. Paul is providing this picture yes. by taking on a measure of sufferings as well. Yes, exactly. And so I think there's an application in this that, you know, well, there are multiple applications probably, but like one of them is that like, like it's just not fair. Like I wish I could, you know, I wish I could see the scars in Christ's hands and feet, which would be, you know, an immeasurable gift to be able to do that. But truly, anytime you watch the church endure affliction, persecution, suffering, you are getting to see that in a mm. sense. And it's difficult to talk about it like this. And I haven't fully fleshed this out, but like you're not merely getting a picture because the church and because Christians are united to Christ. Like when Paul says, I no longer live, Christ lives in me. Like there's a real sense in which you are getting to see that played out in real life. And that also means that like when we suffer, there is a sense in which we are showing Christ's afflictions to the world. Like mm. on the flip, like when I suffer for the sake of the church or the sake of the faith, I'm not atoning for anyone's sins. I can't do that. I think it's like, oh my gosh, no way. But I am providing witness to what Christ endured for the sake of his people Mm -hmm. and for his enemies in order to make them his friends. And that is just one of the countless ways that none of our sufferings are in vain if we belong to God. Because, you know, I think sometimes it's tempting to say like, man, I just, you know, I wish I didn't have to suffer. I mean, yeah, okay, fair point. Sure. Like, I, I wish I didn't have to suffer either. I think we all do. But given that we do, like you just can't escape that reality, right? Like contrary to the American dream, you know, which is like, it's like, I would, you know, be comfortable all the time, you know, no hardship, no, dip. like, it's just not possible. Like, even if, even if you achieved like this perfect incubated life, guess what you're going to do at that point? Now you're going to spend your life agonizing over losing it. You know what I mean? Like you just can't escape it. So the next best thing, if you can't escape it, is to know it has a purpose. Like there is a meaning. It's not going to be wasted in any way. And this is one of the ways I think that for the Christian, like, oh, do you want people to know the fullness and joy of life that can be yours in Christ? Like, well, when you suffer, you get to show them what he's done for them, what he's done for you. You get to picture that to the world, which is a hard teaching. You know, like Jesus said, that's a hard teaching. Who can take it? But I've always personally, and maybe it's just because I'm a more of a cop person, I don't know, but I always always found that infinitely more comforting and helpful in the midst of my own afflictions and hardships, whether that be physical or spiritual or emotional. Even if you don't get the quote-unquote benefit or satisfaction of seeing it used or seeing it impact someone, that does not mean that whatever suffering you're enduring is beyond the use of Christ. It doesn't, right. mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see that use, but like you can trust. Yeah. Right. You know, I've not yet seen it and uh, I want to watch it. I actually think it's on Disney Plus, strangely enough, but um, there's a movie called A Hidden Life. Uh, Terrence Mal, 
Malik directed it. I've heard um, of this. Yeah, our favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. The guy who played the major who catches the team in the tavern. He detects oh, that, it, yes. uh, you yeah. know, Michael Fassbender uses the wrong three. Yeah. That guy plays the main character in this okay. movie. I think it's Franz Jagerstatter. I can't remember his name wow. exactly. Point being, he was a conscientious objector living in, I forget which part, somewhere in Austria during the Nazi regime. And they were like, you need to, Whoa. we're contributing, you need to become a soldier. He's like, no. He was a very devout Catholic. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I will not fight. <laughs> I'm, just, you know, I'm just not doing that. Leave me alone. And they didn't. They um, did not leave him alone. No. So like I said, I've not seen it, but a friend of mine has, and he talks about this scene where this guy is talking to a painter who is painting Christ, and I believe he's painting him on the cross, and Franz is talking about what a beautiful picture it is, and I believe that painter says something to the effect of, I don't know about that, but maybe one day I will know enough to paint a truly beautiful suffering Christ. And... You go from there, the story, spoiler alert, but it's it's just an historical thing. But like, he ends up dying. He ends up being killed because he won't mm-hmm. comply. Yeah. And he never did live, like in his own life, he did not see how that, how that ended up having a profound impact on countless thousands of people. Like his story is massively important to the Catholic Church and their understanding of how to resist evil. Mm. And he showed forth the afflictions of Christ in enduring that, I think, right? Like there's yeah. something unique that we, you know, not to put it in too crass term, but like we benefit from that, that hmm. story. You know, there's a reason Terrence Malick was like, I'm going to direct a whole movie about right. this man's story because there's something about that it imparts to us that we couldn't get otherwise because Christ is physically at the right hand of the Father. Hmm. But we do get to see Christ. You know, we do get to see this beautiful suffering Christ, so to speak, in the life of a guy like him. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, we get to participate in that. And then, of course, the promise for that is that one day you participate in that, you'll also participate in Christ's resurrection and glorification. Anyway, Colossians 1.24. Yeah. There you go. You know, we could probably spend hours and hours and hours and hours more talking about that verse because it is, you know, that's a pretty difficult verse and we've only really scratched the surface of it. But I think it gives you a helpful start, not only in trying to understand it, but also in how you can begin approaching things like that in your own uh, study when you read such things and come across them. So thanks as always for listening. We hope that this was helpful to you. You didn't suffer too much (laughs) listening to it. And if you did, well, hey, you know, good for you. If you did find this helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, that would be great. And if you have any questions on this or any other difficult passage you've come across, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm